0: Welcome to the Eddie Hyatt Podcast. I am your host and teacher, Eddie Hyatt. So glad you joined me today as we continue talking about slavery in the Bibles, slavery and the gospel message. And uh, if you haven't listened to the the episodes of the last three days, uh, you need to listen to those because they provide a foundation for what we're saying today and what we'll be saying tomorrow. Today, we're going to talk about how it was a Christian Mm revival— that unleashed the spiritual and moral forces that brought about the end of slavery in America. It was Christianity, true Christianity, biblical Christianity, that brought about the end of slavery in America and uh, the Western world and and the rest of the world. Starting out, I want to read a quote from Dr. Thomas Sowell, who is one of the great intellects of our generation, happens to be an African-American, uh, taught at the University of Southern California but for years has been a fellow at the Hoover Institute which is a part of Stanford University it's a think tank at Stanford University written many books and uh, and has dealt quite extensively with the whole issue of race and and race in America and throughout the world and uh, he's one of the ones who has pointed out how that slavery was not something uh, unusual in America that it had been a part of of countless civilizations and and all kinds of peoples for thousands of years. But in this quote found on page 90 of 1726, he says slavery. Now he's talking about the ending of slavery in America. He says slavery was just not an issue, not even among intellectuals, much less among political leaders until the 18th century. 18th century would have been the 1700s. Now, that dating is very significant. It was not an issue until the 18th century, and then it was an issue only in Western civilization. Among those who turned against slavery in the 18th century were George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Patrick Henry, and other American leaders. You could research all of the 18th century Africa or Asia, or the Middle East without finding any comparable rejection of slavery there. So he clearly says something unique was happening in Western civilization and particularly in America. People were turning against slavery. It wasn't happening in Africa. It wasn't happening in Asia. It wasn't happening in the Middle East. It was happening in Great Britain. It was happening in America happening in the 1700s. And he mentioned some of the people who turned against slavery and they were all slave owners, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Patrick Henry and other American leaders. So, so he does, he does not offer a suggestion of what it was that was causing this unique thing to be happening in America that was not happening in other parts of the world. well, I substantiate and document what it was that was turning people against slavery in the 1700s. In my book, 1726, also in my other little book, uh, Abolitionist Founding Fathers, it was a Christian revival that has become known as the Great Awakening, sometimes called the First Great Awakening. And uh, it's called a Great Awakening because it wasn't just a little revival meeting inside some churches. Uh, this in this great awakening entire towns and now this is in colonial america in in the 1700s entire towns repented and turned to god one of america's most prominent founding fathers benjamin franklin told about how the great awakening came to his hometown of philadelphia in in uh, 1739 the entire city was transformed he said from being thoughtless or indifferent about religion. He said, it seems that the whole world has gone religious so that you can't walk down any street in Philadelphia without hearing songs and prayers and, and uh, people singing psalms coming from houses on every street. Wow. The entire city was transformed by the power of God, by the preaching of the gospel. And this happened in city after city all up and down the East Coast. George Whitfield, who was one of the people used in this revival, who was a 25, 26, 27, at the beginning, uh, 26, 27-year-old Methodist preacher from Great Britain, when he preached in Boston, when the the population of Boston was estimated to be 17,000, some historians estimated that there were as many as 20,000 people gathered on the Boston Common to hear him preach, and masses, masses turning to God, repenting of their sins and turning to God. Now, out of this great awakening with hearts being changed by the gospel, there came forth an abolitionist movement, because especially the second generation, Revivalist preachers. Now, the Great Awakening is usually, I date it as beginning in 1726. So by 1750, there are some second generation revivalist preachers coming on the scene. And and that first aspect of the Great Awakening, it broke down religious and racial barriers. And George Whitfield talks about blacks and whites worshiping God together in his meetings and how God is, is touching them both. And, 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 and how that they're fellowshipping together and worshiping God together. So the racial barriers were coming down. Then around 1750, revivalist preachers began not only calling people to Christ, but they began to call for the abolition of the institution of slavery. There was one individual, I'm going to read you just a little bit of his story, that's found in the book 1726. His name was Freeborn Garrettson. He was from Maryland. And, and and this is in the midst of this great awakening where people's hearts are being changed. You see, when a person's heart is changed by the spirit of God, they will, call, they will cause you to, you know, to go and do things and make restitution. <laughs> I remember, you know, do, well, I remember, you know, when, when I came to the Lord, um, this hadn't been too long before that. I I was in with a couple of friends. We went went to a truck stop and we ate. And uh, uh, instead of paying, we just got up and walked out. Well, after I came to Christ, I went back and and, uh, tried to pay them for it and told them what had happened and offered to pay them and everything. And, uh, you know, because when you really, when your heart is changed and you come to Christ, it will cause you to take... What to the world looks like radical steps, and so Freeborn Garrison, he was a slave owner, but he said God spoke to him supernaturally. He heard God speak supernatural, supernaturally, and say, "It is not right for you to keep your fellow creatures in bondage. You must let the oppressed go free." And he said he had the revelation, but they didn't belong to him. They belonged to God, and so he informed them. He said, he "said You all don't belong to me. You belong to God," and he said. So so you're free to go, do whatever you want. He said, but if you want to stay here and work, he said, uh, uh, I will have to pay you. I will, I will have to give you the proper compensation for it. So, and it was after this, he began to go out and preach. He became a powerful evangelist, not only calling sinners of all races and classes to come to Christ, but now he also called for the freedom of all the slaves in America. His preaching provoked intense opposition, especially in the South where he was physically attacked at times, but he never allowed opposition to deter his his mission and message. He would go to uh, plantations and request permission to preach to the slaves, and he saw multitudes of them coming to Christ, Um, uh, but he would also ask to speak to the slave owners, and he would seek convince them that slavery was a sin and that they needed to let their slaves go free. Now, this was the the, the case at the Stokely Sturgis plantation in Delaware where the the slave owner allowed him to preach to the slaves and many of them came to Christ. But then he spent time with the Sturgis family and he was able to convince them I don't know if they were Christians or if they became Christians at that time. But then he sought to convince them that slavery is an ab- abhorrent sin in the sight of God, and uh, and 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 so Sturgis he repented and he began making arrangements for his slaves to go free. And so this is this is something that was happening. All up and down the eastern seaboard, there developed, there came forth out of this great awakening, abolitionist preachers calling people to Christ, both and calling for the abolition of slavery and, and convincing many slave owners to let their slaves go free. And so this is what Thomas Sowell was talking about. He said that it was during this time that people like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, uh, Patrick Henry, and others uh, turned against slavery at a time it was still accepted in practice in most of the world. Now, I'm going to tell you tomorrow how this, this Great Awakening and the abolition movement it produced, how it impacted the founding documents of America. We'll talk about that tomorrow. I hope you'll check out my my books along this line, 1726, America's uh, Abolitionist Founding Fathers, and you'll find them on my website at eddiehyatt.com. You'll also find them on Amazon. Wow. And also, you'll find a lot of articles on my blog, 1726, that I have written along this same line. So, if you'll check out my b- blog, 1726, there's a link to it on my website. Um You'll find some lot of powerful uh, articles that will expand on what I've been talking about in these episodes, and I'll look forward to being with you again tomorrow. God bless.